Welcome to the Boss Lady Podcast. This is Al Smith with Teresa Rand of Teresa Rand Consulting and our head boss lady. How are you, my dear? I am great, and it's good to have you back. Yeah, it's Two good to be back. Two weeks you were gone. Woo. I introduced myself, and Bobby was like, oh, please let me introduce <laughs> you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't like being a solo podcast yeah. person. Well, I would have much rather been here than where I was. Yeah, but, uh, I know. Where <laughs> we uh, talked about that too. If you didn't listen to it, but yeah, those things you got to do. Got to do all that preventative health stuff, right? Yeah. You're not going to get any sympathy from a woman from all the preventative no. health stuff we have to go through. So no. we'll just keep going. Yeah. <laughs> it just keeps adding up, Teresa. Yeah, it's, I know. Uh, right. A more than nothing. Nothing. Uh, Nothing will kill me. Just might drive me a little more crazy yeah. than I already am. All so right. what well, are you going to do? We're right? glad to have you. Keep moving on. Back. That's right. Because I miss you exactly. when you're not here. Well, I miss being here. And yeah. I miss my friend Darlene. She's yeah, gonna, Darlene. She's was, all mad. She's yeah, all she's like, me. what? What? I know. Yeah. So, because we have a um, history together. Yeah. If you haven't listened to the episode with Darlene Tacinelli, uh, her and I were in the radio business together yes. for 20 years. So she Many was very years. disappointed when I she know. came and it was just me and you, Bobby. <laughs> she was like, what? Where's Al? <laughs> um, so, yeah, there, we, the Boss Lady group has so many cool things going on I right know. now. I know. Like, there's you a ask long me about list. <laughs> so, so where do we start? I mean, uh, so what's, what's I know yeah. you got a big, I know you got your big event coming up in September. Yeah, and that's what I so cool really want to talk because about. Because it's just further proof that we're getting out of this I know, COVID right? world and so look excited. forward to things like that. Yeah. It's just like, yeah, we're going to do our first Boss Lady retreat because the first first Boss Lady retreat was canceled due to that craziness yes. yeah. uh, that canceled everything for 2020. But September 10th and 12th, if you have not been to Daytona Beach, make your plans to come join us for a weekend. And if you have been to Daytona Beach, just make your plans to come back. There's yeah. lots more on that. I'm getting the speakers. That's I hope so cool. one speaker's already been on the podcast, but she's coming down live, but I don't want to tell you who that is yet. Well, and then secrets, I have two yes. more speakers lined up that will be on the podcast leading up to the retreat. But the retreat really is going to be every speaker has something to do with giving you more confidence, well, as a person, but certainly as a professional, whether it's how to speak, how to dress, how to network, how to um, appreciate different things, whatever stage of life you're in. And that's all I'm going to say right now. But that's kind of, it's, I've got a little team that's helping me put it together. Oh, and by the way, the team that's helping me put it together, I said, you know, I want to introduce the team the planning team and then who's going to introduce me and three out of i think or five women there said well al smith of course <laughs> oh really so september 10th okay. 11th, what are you doing al <laughs> i guess i'll be wherever you tell me to be <laughs> and bob will be there with you so when you're not introducing yes. me you'll have your little playmate yes so. that's my man bob <laughs> bob is my husband yes. for those of you that don't know and we'll put you up in the hotel all that fun oh, stuff wow, so okay. Yeah, they and I went. Oh well, duh, of course. So, <laughs> well, uh, that makes me feel good. Yeah, I, no. I, I don't know that I would have thought of me. <laughs> yeah, I I mean, well, I don't know why do I, what I do. But I, don't I just, know. you know, I don't know. But anyway, that's why I have a team. But yeah, yeah if you're here local, we've got all kind of meetups. You can go to TeresaRandConsulting.com and find those. If you're not here local. Direct message me, call me, email me, and let's start a boss lady where you are. There, there's no, um, 
I don't know the word. Boundaries or proprietary stuff. Now, I don't want you to copy exactly what I'm doing because there might be a little trouble there, but you can call me and I'll help you get your own started. Um, Because women everywhere need what this community is bringing together. So let me ask you this because we we haven't talked to them in a while. So just your sense of things, back to what we're talking about coming out of COVID. Um, You know, so let's think just in the year that we've been doing this Mm -hmm. podcast over a year. You know, you've gone from um, people being like doing Zoom meetings to to people working from home, to everything from home, to now we're kind of getting out. What do you sense a different uh, attitude, a different, uh, are people looking for different things than they were six months ago? What's your sense of things and the things you're doing? Yes, and yes, and yes. Um, We actually canceled our Zoom calls last week. Um, moving forward for the uh, near future because we are enjoying getting back together live. We're still getting together in relatively small groups, although I hope by September the retreat's not a relatively small group. Um, But we are getting together a lot of places outside. You know, we went to the local museum, and they have a great Mm -hmm. cafe outside. Most of our restaurant happy hours are outside. Now, for those of you that don't live in Florida, you know that's not going to last much longer because it's yeah. going to be too dead gum hot. Yeah. Um, but We're for there. now, yeah. mm-hmm. we just started this slow progression. But the feedback I'm getting is that they want to be live. They want to touch an elbow or hug, whatever they're comfortable with. Right. And they're just tired of being isolated is the word I hear. And even though we were talking and we were getting together, and I'm, I'm very proud to say the membership stayed stable during that whole year, um, it still just feels good to be together. And right. you felt isolated no matter what. That computer can only do so much right. to replace really being with people. Now, in terms of what, because uh, a lot of, obviously a lot of what uh, Boss Lady does is, is encourage and, and, and development and growth right and do you feel people are where are they at on that scale of things is it yeah it's interesting because our whole tagline is we're a group of like-minded women that embrace each other educate each other and empower each other and every time we get together we're amazed at how many women get connected in ways they didn't know like somebody stood up the other day who's she's actually a local um actor and she's putting on this murder mystery well i don't know if it's a murder i think it's a murder well anyway this mystery dinner fair thing like the game of life there is usually a murder murder. and all of a sudden there were three other women that had an acting background and they were like oh well we want to do that we want to do that and we have the woman doing the locals mix where she brings artists and musicians together she needs volunteers because she runs she always does a raffle and gives back to a local charity. We filled up the volunteers through the end of the year just by having those conversations and actually by standing up and giving our elevator speech, which we're going to talk about tonight, about yeah. what we're doing and why we're doing it. Hands start going up. Oh, I know her. I know somebody that can do that or, you know, he can do that or whatever. It's just amazing how we all find something that we can help each other with. Interesting. Now, the other thing is we're dealing with this whole unemployment, employment. There's no jobs. There's all these jobs. It's like, are do you, are you are are your ladies on the move? Do you see people looking for as a time to grow? Or are they kind of settling back in where they where they've been? Or what you finding? We have a little bit of all. We've yeah. had some women that lost their jobs. 
Mm-hmm. We had some women that came out of the, you know, well, a lot of people did, went and had to work from home, and now they don't want to go back. We've yeah. had other women that had to work from home, and they are thrilled to be back because they it did yes. something to their mental health yeah. to have to work from home. That would be me. Yeah. So we've we've got it all over the board, and and again, that's how we embrace and support each other. And we have a lot of women that are looking at making career changes because they had time to do soul searching. And on that note, we were getting ready because we always do our taxes late. So we were getting ready because we have to go <laughs> this week. So I was pulling up all my receipts and, you know, blah, blah, blah. Ooh, I spent a lot of money on education this year. Yes. I ought to be really smart yeah. between coaches and webinars and e-Cornell courses and yeah, my husband, he said, well, that's okay, honey. It's all going to come back. I was like, oh, I hope so because here's this sheet of paper with how much money I made (laughs) and how much money I spent and they're pretty near equal. Yeah. (laughs) So there's that. You're in the beginnings of a new career. That's what he said. You're only your second year in, you know, from a 30 year career um, that wasn't doing this. So I think there was a lot of that going on. Yes. Lot of, I bet I'm not the only person that filled out their expenses for 2020. I'm right there with you. There were a lot of coaching yeah. and exercises, and, and I'm glad I had time to do that. Yeah, exactly. Now I'm ready to get out of the house and <laughs> yes. put all that stuff to work. That's I made it. a deal with someone the other day that wasn't going to hire a coach for a year because I've, I've had a coach, and I will, I'm sure I will get another coach at some point. But at some point, I feel the need to stop getting coaching and implement some things. Yes. And then go back based on where I am. Because we've talked about sometimes you get a coach and then you like, okay, I don't need that coach anymore. I need this Implementation coach. coach you know? yeah. So, just, yeah. Just so, do yeah. It. So, our ladies have been a little bit all over the board. And Career Cultivators, what's going on with that? Career Cultivators uh, is a private Facebook page. You can find the link. Uh, I've put it in the show notes, which I'm going to start doing this week, adding all these links to show notes. But is a private Facebook page where we just get together and talk about all things related to careers, whether you're right. looking to grow in your career, having a problem with your supervisor. We have quite a few of those, and we don't call anybody by name. It's all private, and if they have a specific issue, they private message me, and then I cover it in a very generic way. Um, but once a week, I do a mini training. It's usually from 15, no more than 20, 25 minutes on a topic this week, actually, my topic was the elevator speech, knowing okay. that that's what we have coming up tonight. And so. that's what we, I guess we got to get ready for that. Right? We do. We do. So, random thought. Random thought. Random thought we... always has something to do with the speaker. And so, I look, looked uh, up some things, and here's one I landed on. All speaking is public speaking, whether to one person or a thousand. Huh. Very good. And hey, hold on. we right back. Got a very special guest tonight. Whether you're an entrepreneur climbing the corporate ladder or a work-from-home parent, you are a boss. Together, we are cultivating your personal and professional growth. Check out TeresaRanConsulting.com today to find out more about this movement. All right, welcome back to Boss Lady Podcast. Teresa, I think uh, you've outdone yourself once again. Again. Upcoming guest. I'm looking forward to this guest who I've only met via Zoom. But I actually met him because I signed up for some of the stuff that he does. We were just talking about education. This is one of the things I You're signed searching. up for. 
And uh, so I'm going to read his bio so that we can jump right in. And Neil is going to be with us twice this episode and next week. So here we go. Neil Gordon helps experts become the face of a movement. He works with executives, influencers, and thought leaders and has helped them get six-figure book advances and be seen on shows like Ellen and Dr. Oz and double their speaking fees. Prior to becoming a communications expert, he worked on the editorial staff of Penguin Random House, where he worked with New York Times bestselling authors. He has been featured on Forbes, Fortune, Inc., Fortune, Inc.com, and NBC Palm Springs, and as a VIP contributor for Entrepreneur. So Neil does it all when it comes to communication. Great blogger, great YouTuber, all of those things. So join me, you guys, in welcoming Neil Gordon. So, Neil, welcome to the Boss Lady Podcast. Uh, it's only been two men ago that I said you were the first man, so I think this two. is our third man. Yeah. <laughs> did that make sense? That didn't welcome make sense. Welcome to the short it. list. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. Welcome to it's the short, short list. It's a very short list. <laughs> I feel very exclusive right now, so thank you very much. Oh. Well, I'm excited to have you here, and as I was telling Al before we got started, you know, you came through me to a through a podcast agent, blah, blah, blah. We had a Zoom call, and all of a sudden, I was like, wait a minute, I know this guy. Because So I started Googling, you know, all the things we do these days. And I was like, geez, I had signed up for some of your stuff probably during the pandemic, but and I get all mm. of your emails, and so I've watched several things that you do. So you certainly know how to speak in public, which is really what we're going to talk about, not only tonight, but next week, too, this is also the first time we've done two back-to-back. In a very, very short very, list. Very, very short list. <laughs> <laughs> well, we are, we are breaking ceilings in all sorts of ways tonight. <laughs> yes. But the reason I went, well, there's two reasons. One, I just felt a real connection to you when you did the Zoom. And, of course, you know, I've watched some of your other uh, work. So there's that. But also... Hardly a week goes by that I don't have somebody tell me they don't know how to do an elevator speech or they have an elevator speech, but when they're in a setting where they have to stand up and get it, they forget it. They get nervous. They they just kind of mm-hmm. panic. So I thought it, it's such an important topic, and especially now if you're already afraid of speaking, now you're having to do it virtually. You can see yourself, which is the worst so I thought there's enough stuff here for us to talk about a couple of times. And I'm sure in your business, you hear it as well, right? For sure. And the great irony is we could spend all of this time talking for several episodes worth about something that could take only 20 or 30 seconds. And so there's a lot of juice in all of it because it's that famous quote that's always misattributed to some famous person in the past. They'd say, forgive the length of this letter i didn't have time to write a shorter one. Oh, yeah. Like that. yeah yeah so first of all let's start with why does and i wrote down business person but why does everybody need an elevator speech even if you are stay-at-home parent or you know you're not in the workforce right now you're retired you're going to be somewhere where you have to stand up and introduce yourself so it's still an elevator speech sure there are so many different ways that we can make that first impression that we represent who we are, what we do, some important aspect of our being on this planet. And that doesn't have to make or break the whole rest of the relationship, but it could certainly influence the potential for even having one. 
Yeah, absolutely. I know um, in my Boss Lady member group, when we get together, we always go around the room and have everybody just give a very brief, hello, my name is, and this is what I do. And literally, I have some women that just are a bundle of nerves. But the more Mm -hmm. we do it, the better they come across. So Mm -hmm. would that be something that you, you... is practice i mean do you write it down do you practice it in front of the mirror how do you get started with an elevator speech one of the things that people are often they're they're often paralyzed by not just the elevator speech but speaking in general is that they are completely wrapped up in their own head in their own stories that they're telling about who they are and what they do and frankly, their value. And there are so many different ways that we can look at this. But one of the first things that any given person can do is not so much think about what they do and the words they would use to describe it, but rather how would they describe the impact that their work ultimately has? It's not so much what process do they go through in their job, in their work or vision, but rather what is the impact it all has. And that sets us down a very different path. We can, of course, go back and forth and discuss in many different fashions. But the very beginning is kind of like the very end. Because as a result of what we do, at the end of a process we might go through with another human being, they have experienced some kind of positive result. So if we start with that result, that can help us to re-engineer a whole other journey toward putting this together. That's actually, I've never heard that said that way. That's, that's really good to start with the impact that you make and work backwards, I guess. One of the things that I said to someone yesterday is I, I have a couple of elevator speeches based on... Mm-hmm. My audience and, you know, especially if it's a potential client, if it's an individual that might want coach career coaching or if it's the HR director that wants something for a team, that's not the same speech I give, elevator speech, conversation, right. whatever. So do you find that, that, you know, it's not one size fits all? I like to say that. Any given moment of communication is potentially an act of service. And that's ultimately what I want to help people to understand on a broader scale. But that service winds up being that much more effective and meaningful if it's somehow tailored or adapted. If we become a chameleon-like person to all of the different kind of audiences, different kind of individuals we might be connecting with. And so to be able to be agile like that winds up being one of the most impactful and effective things. One of the more fun-loving aspects of how I help people and help speakers in particular is to have this speaker quiz. And there are all these different animal metaphor type categories to help people understand their personality and how to be truly captivating in front of a group of people. And one of the types that I like to Some people get automatically, but I like to shuffle them toward is the animal type known as the chameleon because the chameleon was always known for adapting to its environment. And I want that for my elevator pitch people, for my public speakers, anyone else I can help. I want them to be as agile as possible. 
because as an act of service, it becomes more effective when we understand who we're serving and why. Yeah, great way to look at it. How you obviously have never been afraid, or maybe I shouldn't say never. I mean, you were 20 years in the radio, right. so you obviously know how to talk in front of people. Plus, I've seen you, but did you just have that natural talent? No, it took me a while, you know, <laughs> it took a while. But I had something mm. to say, I think. I have something to say. Yeah. I think that was, I think, but I, I, I'm a big believer in, in practicing. If you're going to give a speech, like have it down so, so pat that you can inflect, you can change it a little and still be good, you know. Yeah. But I think a lot of people just don't practice enough and they don't have the confidence when they go to do right. it. Right. And then one of the things we do is uh, sort of like a little TED Talk thing here locally out of our Chamber of Commerce called Elevate Daytona, and people give speeches, and mm. they have, they're only five minutes, they have 20 slides, and I'm on the committee, so we've been having auditions, and one of the ladies said, oh, I messed up after the thing, she texted me, it was a friend of mine, and I said, well, here's a big secret, you're the only one that knew you that you had memorized this speech and you said something wrong. <laughs> None of the rest of us knew because you just kept going. But mm-hmm. I think we get, mm-hmm. that's the downside sometimes of practicing, right? You get so caught up in, I guess practice now is different than memorization. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. Cause you still want to be authentic and, and, you know, come across as not a salesman, I guess. You want to. Yeah, it was funny. I, I recently had an opportunity to give a virtual keynote to a group of people at a community college, and they were a little strapped for for fancier budget type mm-hmm. situations and a little business side of a little business tip for public speakers is to have multiple packages and a price range for what it is you offer because you could then use something a little simpler for a lower cost and still have an opportunity to help the people at that gig. But she was really committed to just having the most bare bones canned kind of content where it was just saying everything that was there by rote. And I appreciated her willingness to do that, but I wasn't going to bring that super mechanical canned quality to it. I still wanted to adapt the content to their particular needs and all of that. And so there's that sweet spot between really committing yourself, like Al said, to practicing it and feeling very comfortable where it almost becomes the public speaking equivalent of muscle memory and also being open and free enough with it to be able to adapt in that way and be able to figure out based on how people are reacting in real time, more so with live presentations than virtual ones, but to be able to just kind of go with it, time things a little differently, maybe do a little taking a step aside for a moment kind of saying one of my favorite comedians is Mike Birbiglia and he does these long stand-up one-person show type things that you see on Netflix and my favorite moments in those shows are actually when he pauses the show to somehow interact off the cuff with an audience member when he saw like an 11-year-old in the audience he's like you seem a little younger than my typical audience members and it's awkward because some of it's kind of graphic and all of that so it was really funny and so what Al said holds very true for me as well is to really practice it and make get it into your bones so that you have the confidence and comfort with the material to stop and pause and do something different and not get derailed by that. Yeah. And, you know, you said earlier, you know, whether you're giving elevator speech or speaking in public, it, it's all speaking in public. 
but there is so much anxiety that comes with that. And I know when I'm speaking to a group, I get much more nervous if I'm speaking to a group that I know as opposed to a group mm. full of people I don't know. I can speak to 200 people that I don't know, and I think I'm much better than speaking to 50 people I do know. I, it's a different, mm. I still get nervous, but it's a different level of anxiety when I'm speaking to a crowd that I know. Do you find that, or do you find that common? What you seem to be tapping into there, Teresa, is a level of intimacy and perhaps even vulnerability mm, surrounding knowing the people. If I had to guess, that, that seems like it might be a contributing factor to that increased anxiety level. And because of that familiarity with the audience, there's a greater possibility for a feedback loop. There's a greater sense that it could potentially come back to you in a way that if it was more anonymous to a large group of hundreds or thousands of people, it just becomes this big collective thing. But any given individual in that smaller setting with people you know has the ability to perhaps impact you as an individual a bit more intensely than this broader, more faceless kind of experience. Yeah, I haven't thought of it that way, but I think that's very true. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm going to run into somebody at the grocery store who told somebody, you know, that was a terrible speech <laughs> you gave last week. <laughs> so I think when you look out there and you see those faces, I also think that I have a higher level of wanting approval from those people that I know mm -hmm. and, and have invited me, you know, because they know me. Um, that I, I feel more, I put more expectation on myself. I call it this committee in my head. This committee in my head is always doing this crazy self-talk. You know, you can't do this. You got to do that. They're going to think right. this. They're going to, and I'm guessing I'm not the only one with a committee in my head. At least I hope I'm not the only one, right? <laughs> what are you talking about? Like, yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> with a committee in my head. Yeah, no. I've known people who actually name the members of that committee as characters. Okay, and well, I haven't done that. Just for the go. record, I have not named them. <laughs> just just as a way to show that you're truly, truly not alone. Oh, good. Good. You know, Billy Belligerent. You know, that yeah. So how, what are tips you give to your clients, people you work with, or quite frankly, even yourself at times, to deal with anxiety when you're speaking? We and do you deal with it? That may yeah. be a, a, the first question. Do you deal with anxiety? I put it this way. I am aware that I'm about to be speaking in front of a bunch of people. And I so that's to say that it's not that it doesn't affect me at all, but it doesn't affect me like it seems to often affect many people, no matter how perceived their success is or how long they've been doing it or what have you, there is a fair amount of stage fright among some of the even upper echelon of professional speakers and whatnot. But I don't really seem to struggle with that. And a lot of it circles back to something we talked about initially when it came to talking about the elevator speeches. And it's all really on one spectrum, elevator speech all the way up to a full keynote or something like that, right? And it all fits on that same basic spectrum of behaviors and experiences. But when it comes to getting up and speaking, 
I more just look forward to it and get more excited about it than anxious about it. Right. And that is ultimately defined by the same word that I used earlier in our conversation today, which is impact. Because I know the reason why I do what I do in the way that I do it. I'm very clear on my message and I'm very clear on how this message has helped many people in many different contexts. And as long as I've done my due diligence in forming a great body of content and per Al's point, actually getting it into my bones, then things might go wrong and things might happen. But at the heart of it is a message that does have a positive and meaningful impact. So rather than placing the focus on myself and my anxiety, I place my focus on what their world will be on the other side of successfully implementing this message moving forward. Yeah, that's a great way to look at it. Now, you were you had briefly told me a story about your father's eulogy that had something to do with anxiety and this whole speech. You want to share that story yeah. with our listeners? Of course. I very sadly lost my father about a year and a half ago. And I mean, he he, it wasn't just that he was my father. He was also the person I talked to multiple times a week. Mm. He was my lifeline to the rest of the world, basically, because I tend to be a bit solitary. And so this was a huge gaping hole in my life. And at the same time, I had a lot of clarity around what my father's life meant to other people. Again, what kind of impact he had. And much of it was demonstrated through his work as a school teacher. He was a, a sixth grade teacher for much of his career. And he had a very distinct approach that was a, a complete departure from what the other elementary school teachers did. And so when I thought to myself, oh, this is a funeral. Honestly, I'm not into funerals the way our culture utilizes them. I prefer something simpler, less elaborate, and all the things, all the trimmings that are typically done for the bereaved, I'm just much more of a minimalist in that regard. But it was, I was raised in a Jewish family, and there are certain traditions right. that people hold very dear to them when it comes to grief and loss, and so I wasn't going to put up a blockade. It was really my show. It was really my decision to do all the things and take, take care of everything and all of that. And so I decided to really, forgive me, but really eulogize the crap out of my dad <laughs> because I'm a public speaking coach and I, I do these things myself. And so I was like, all right, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to really do this. And so I got up there and stood at the lectern or bima, as it's known in the Jewish tradition. And I told I began with a story about my a time I went to the supermarket with my father. And I was just about 10 years old or so. And in the produce section of all places, there was this big open vat of jelly beans and scoops. And you could scoop them into a bag mm -hmm. and weigh them by the pound and go pay for them at the register. But my dad was more of a man who did things that he wanted to do rather than what he should do. And so he just walked over and said, hey, jelly beans. And he scooped up some jelly beans and started eating them without paying for them. 
And so I start with the jelly bean story at the beginning of this eulogy, and my aunt, his sister, who is the very embodiment of that that Jewish woman from Brooklyn, right? <laughs> and so I start with the jelly bean story, and she blurts out in the middle of my eulogy from the front row, that's the story you're going to tell? Oh, wow. <laughs> and so, so let's just be very clear. My aunt interrupted my eulogy of my recently deceased father. And so I didn't really skip a beat, though. I didn't stop and get flustered and do the thing. I kind of looked at her for a split second, but then just soldiered on. And then made the point that my dad was the type of person who did things that he wanted to do rather than he should do, which was best demonstrated by his teaching because he would get all of the problem kids, the kids other teachers might consider to be delinquent. And he didn't take them and treat them as problem kids. He treated them like stars. Mm. And they created their own school plays. And they created commercials for t-shirts that they screen printed themselves. And all of these very interesting creative dynamic experiences that really helped these so-called problem kids to really thrive. And so the basic point I made was that dad taught us to to live our lives not based on what we should do, but rather what we wanted to do. And my aunt, by the end, was not incredulous over the jelly bean. She was instead, she had this kind of teary, warm, big smile on her face. And a week later, she actually just called me. I'd gotten, gone back home by this point. And she called me just to thank me because she's, they're so appreciated a new and different way of approach of understanding her own brother who she had known his whole life. Right. And so the point of that whole story is to underline the, the more fundamental message I like to get across to my experts and speakers and other types of thought leader type people whom I teach is that the value of our message isn't based on what we say but rather what our audience does once we're done saying it. Mm. And it didn't matter that she interrupted my eulogy over the jelly bean story because, and that it was potentially a problematic way to start a eulogy for your own father. What matters what she did afterwards, which was smiling and appreciation at the end or calling me a week later. That's what was most important. The actions that we take in response to what we've heard rather than the thing that the expert or speaker is saying. Yeah, that's a great, that's a great lesson to, because so often when you talk and people come up to you afterwards or you say something that may have just been a, to you, just something you threw in your speech that really impacted right. someone. So we're back to your word of impact with that story. Exactly. What was the final impact? And I know that for me is, is really good, especially when I get up and speak speak to my boss lady member group because some of my friends are always saying i always try to get other people to speak and they're saying no you need to speak you're the face of the group you need to speak and i literally stay awake at night worried about what i'm gonna say but Mm. afterwards the impact and quite frankly ladies join the group that's really what i should focus on more and i just haven't heard it put exactly that way um right so right. yeah, lots of good lessons. Well, we are coming kind of to the end of, of session one. And like I said, um, for our listeners, 
Stay tuned because we are bringing Neil back next week to actually talk even more about uh, what he calls a silver bullet strategy. So we will be back with you, Neil, uh, in less than a week. So session one, session two, and then there'll be lots of tips and information in both. So you, well, thank you you're very still much. content to come back. Of course, I look forward to it. Good, thank you.